0: You want to achieve great things, you want to reach the next level, well so does every other entrepreneur. You know what that means? You have to take every competitive advantage possible. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, the show where we're going to show you how to create this competitive advantage by being more productive and sharing the secrets of the world's top performers. I'm your host, Kenny Aronson, and I think it's time to get down to business. Do you want to achieve great things? Do you want to learn from someone who has extensive entrepreneurship experience? Well, today is your chance. And now I'm going to bring you a special guest whose name is Andrew Lasise. Now, Andrew has extensive experience in entrepreneurship where he owns three businesses and his largest business, Rush Tech Support, just actually passed $10 million in total sales. So I'm very excited to speak with Andrew today. And here's a quick sneak peek for what we're gonna talk about today. First, we're gonna talk about how to be a successful entrepreneur. Then we're gonna talk about how Andrew went from addiction to sober to entrepreneur. And then finally, we're gonna talk about more of an overall theme for this episode, how to achieve greatness. So again, I'm super excited to learn from Andrew's experience today, and I hope that you, Whoever you are listening to this episode right now, I hope that you are also excited as well. So without any further ado, let's not waste any time at all. Andrew, welcome to the Da Vinci Mindset podcast. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, I'm doing well. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: Hey, Andrew, the pleasure's all mine. You know, I, as I said, I am super excited to learn from you. I look forward to asking you all these questions that I got prepared for the interview, and I hope that everyone out there is also interested as well. So, Andrew, how about we start from the basics? Let's start from the beginning. Why don't you tell the audience and me as well a little bit more about yourself and your story? All right.
1: Well, I think I kind of had the entrepreneur bug since I was a kid, and I... I didn't really understand what it was at the time but I just I have my brain just automatically wired to hey here's something that I enjoy let's find a way to monetize it and it's been happening since I was a child but the first time that I started a business business we're actually, we'll, we'll cut back to when I was 16, I started my first air quotes business. I was in a band and we were, we were recording an album and we needed to get the CD produced and we were just doing it shoestring budget. I mean, we were 16 years old, 15, somewhere in that range. And we we're trying to put together this album and so i had to do a whole bunch of research on here's how you put together the cd here's how you master it here's how you get it printed and the labels and went through the whole process and then a little later one of the other bands in our area was doing it too and i was like hey i'll i'll do it for you and made a little money off of doing it and then they referred me to somebody else and then it wasn't just my friend doing it; it was I'm making money off of a stranger, and so I was just doing that in my parents' basement from about sixteen to nineteen, and basically, I kind of learned the fundamentals of running a business from that on a really small scale, and then I you know went to school for for finance. And lived the college dream pretty much nothing nothing extravagant, and I graduated in 2009 with a financial planning degree during the recession, and nobody wanted to hire some kid that has zero life experience to to handle their finances when the whole economy is crashing. So I kind of had to pivot, and I was working in restaurants and I was making a little money here and there but nothing nothing really substantial and what was going on in the background was I was drinking a lot more than i guess <laughs> the average bear it was in college it wasn't really a problem because at the time it was just hey this is college this is what you do and then i graduated and I was pretty much a blackout drinker every single night from ages 23 through 26. And one day I was coming home from a Capitals hockey game. I'm from Maryland originally. And I got pulled over. I threw up all over myself and got arrested, got DUI and just this whole nightmare of just everything in the world coming down all at once. And fast forward a bit, I went to rehab in West Palm Beach, Florida, which turns out is the recovery capital of the world So there's a lot of great recovery, and at the same time, there's a lot of terrible recovery. And what I mean by that is there's people who are turning their lives around for the better, and then there's also people that kind of do one foot in, one foot out, and then kind of run everything to the ground. And after I had about a year sober, that was when I started my first Company, company with an LLC and not just side hustle, and that was how that was when Rush Tech Support started.
0: From the point where you started Rush Tech Support, how was the journey going from there to where it is today?
1: Well, it was it was pretty interesting how that had started. I was originally at a company. If we rewind about six months before Rush Tech started, I was at a company making good money as a technician fixing computers online, which is what Rush Tech does. And a friend just messaged me on Facebook. He said, Hey, we're starting up this company. Da, 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 da. Do you want to run our IT department? And I told him, No, no, I'm not interested. You know, startups are risky. And But I was just at a point in my life where. I didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't have really anything to lose. I'd been saving money my whole life. And it was kind of one of those like, hey, you know what? I'm going to take a leap of faith. I'm going to see what happens. And who knows, maybe maybe this will turn into something. Turned out it turned into nothing. The company went out of business in 3 months and the owner went bankrupt and what what happened as a result of that though i was really really upset when when he had that family meeting when he says hey guys don't here's your last paycheck you don't need to come in on monday we're out of business and i was really really upset when that happened and my mind kind of jumped to that entrepreneurship that kind of bug and i was like well this guy's got 500 customers that are paying him $15 a month. And I've been doing all of the work for the last six months. So I can do the work for this company. And we worked out an agreement that I'd work for free for him for two months. And after two months, I could start taking the customers when they called in, just say, hey, we've got to update your billing information real quick. It's called Rush Tech Support now uh, nothing, nothing serious. And that was, that was how it started.
0: Very, very interesting. So Andrew, I'm curious, I want a little bit, I want to know a little bit more about the, the why. So what is it about entrepreneurship that you think draws you in?
1: I think the big thing about entrepreneurship that drives a lot of people in is kind of that the Tim Ferriss life of, ooh, we've got this four-hour work week. And when you're an entrepreneur, you can just go on vacation whenever you want. And when you own a business, you can do all these great things and make all this great money. And that's kind of the dream that you're sold. And that's most people's, it's not most people's experience. Most people's experience, they end up working harder for themselves, making less money than they did working for that guy who he's an idiot and he owns a business and he's making all the money. Well, if he was such an idiot, then why are you working for him, making him all the money? So what kind of drew me to it was the the idea and that romanticized view of you can work whenever you want and you have all the freedom you want and you can make all the money you want. And that was what initially... Uh, initially drove me to it. But then once I got into it, I started learning that it's not that romanticized vision and that the people that you see on TV, they are the exception, not the rule. And I just became focused on how do I become one of those people who can just leave work and still be making money? I mean... I think everybody would love the idea of, I did nothing today and made X dollars. It's a pretty nice dream to sell. And unfortunately, there isn't just this cookie cutter, hey, you show up, you label yourself entrepreneur, and now all this money happens. There's a ton of work that goes into it, unfortunately. (laughs)
0: Yeah, definitely. There there's so many different things you got to learn, Andrew. There's so many experiences you got to go through to get to that point and to, to get to the point where you do have that money coming in, you know, while you're sleeping. There's a lot of legwork you got to put in, a lot of thought, and you got to be willing to take the actions necessary. So what I want to do now is I want to go into some of the the things you've learned and more of the the what for entrepreneurship. So, with that said, Andrew, what would you say are some of the most valuable habits for entrepreneurs to practice?
1: I think one of the most important things that you need to realize when you're an entrepreneur is that you are going to fail so often, so many times. Obviously, I'm biased because I do business coaching on the side as well. But if nothing else, get a mentor, get somebody who's been doing it to show you what you need to do. It's just like with any job. You know, you get a job at Carabas. they're going to teach you the menu. They're going to teach you, this is how you speak to customers. This is how the system works. And when you're an entrepreneur, even though you are calling the shots, there's still a lot of things that you're never taught in school. Entrepreneurship is the opposite of school because school says, work hard in school, get good grades, go get a government job because those are safe and secure which is ironic with the whole government shutdown and everything. <laughs> exactly. But so that's that's what you're told in school is to not fail, not take a chance on things. And when you jump into entrepreneurship, it's it's the opposite. It is you need to fail and you need to learn immediately, because if you don't, you only have X dollars. You know, when when you're bad at carabas, you're still getting paid when you're bad at entrepreneurship, you're losing money. So it's very, very important. And you don't have to be day one having millions of clients, but it is important that you understand you need to be doing sales and marketing day one after you have your product established and things like that. And it's never going to be perfect. So I wish I had gone back or if I were to go back and still have the lessons that I've learned along the way. Obviously, pain is a great reminder of where you've been. But our first year in Rush Tech, we did about 36000 in business. Year two, we did $1.75 wow. So So bridging the gap from year one where making a few thousand per month was acceptable because that's what I had been making at other jobs. And my brain just wasn't opened up to the possibilities of growing a business and scaling a business. I didn't understand any of that even existed. And then once I reached that next level, I can look back and say, hey, I made a million mistakes that I will not repeat because I've learned from trying it and doing it. But there's a million failures, but when you get those wins, even when it's a little win, I remember the first time that somebody other than me got a sale and I was, I was off at a meeting and I got a notification on my phone and we, we sold a customer. It was like $19 and I was just like, oh my God, I was away at a meeting and this guy, Jackson, he got a sale without me being there. And from there, we started learning, okay, other people can sell. Let's set a system in place. How did Jackson get that first sale? What does Andrew do to get sales? Put it on paper. Boom. Here's the system. And now how do we, how do we repeat this? Okay, we did this. And now we find if we add this bit to it, it converts even better. And now we find when we do this, this converts even better. So it's getting those little wins and then building on top of them, but not being afraid to lose at the same time. Because especially if you don't have somebody else that's been ahead of you saying, this is what I did to be successful. And you're just throwing everything against the wall. You need to really be okay with being a failure at times.
0: Okay. Thank you for sharing, Andrew. So there's a couple of things that I want to touch on from what you just said. So let's start with this. What do you think are the, the qualities of a good mentor or a good coach for your business, especially if you're just starting out?
1: The qualities of a good coach, I would say one of the most important things is that they have proven results in the past with other clients that are doing the same thing that you're doing. And for instance, three years ago was, was the first time when I had done any sort of business coaching and mentorship. And it was for another remote IT company. At this point, we were probably doing between fifteen dollars and $20,000 in sales per day. And a couple... There is actually... I, I don't even remember how we got in touch with each other but a guy was like, hey, I'm starting up this IT company in my garage. I know you started in your living room. Do you have any pointers? And I'm like, yeah, this is what I did. And eventually in a couple months, he grew his company from three people in a garage. They were doing 40 grand a day in sales within a few months. So I had just given him the formula. He did all the work. I'm not going to take credit for it, but I laid out the process of If you do this and do this and do this, you will get these results. You'll be tempted to take these shortcuts. I took these shortcuts and they blew up in my face. Don't take these shortcuts. And so somebody who's been where you have been and that person is currently where you want to be, that's what really makes a good mentor because anybody can read a book and anybody can regurgitate what they read in a book but if you don't have the personal experience of, hey, I was once in your shoes, this is what I did to get where I'm at now. When they're giving you practical advice based on their own experience, I think that really makes a big difference. And that's why part of my niche is solopreneurs who are in a service-based industry that don't want to be the entire company because that's, that's who I was for the first probably year was i did everything and then once i learned how to delegate and create systems in our company i don't know what the math is on that but 1.7 divided by 36 is i mean it was like a 20 times spin in a year
0: andrew i gotta say that's a very very impressive increase So we talked a little bit about sales and marketing. What do you think are some of the mistakes that new entrepreneurs or or existing entrepreneurs in the first place, what are some of the mistakes that they make with sales and marketing?
1: Well, I'll say that I'm going to preface this with I am a person who knows a lot about sales. I'm very well educated. However, in practical application, this is why I have managers who do things better than I do running that department for me. However, the mistakes that I made in just sales in the beginning with my company was I didn't have confidence. Even though I knew that the product was really good, I just had the... Basically, the lie that I told myself was, I'm not worth this amount of money. And because I enjoyed what I was doing, I'd do it for free. So... I was charging way, way, way less than it was worth. And, and I liked the idea, well, I got this customer and I made $15 and this is great. Now I have a customer who's going to go out and tell all their friends. But if you don't ask your customers to tell all of their friends and have very clear direction on what you would like for them to do, people aren't going to just promote your product because they had a good experience, but they won't always do it. There's plenty of times when that does happen. However, if you make your customers happy and you make them advocates, they can tell their friends and they're happy to do so. But, upfront with me in sales, I was, I was afraid to get told no. I was afraid to call customers and ask for money because I didn't have the confidence in it and I didn't have any background in sales. So it's not like I could really apply the skills that I had in the past. I, I spent a month or two working at Aflac, maybe nine years before I started Rush doing door to door sales and cold calling and I didn't realize at the time but it put me I learned so much from that job even though I made 0 dollars I learned a whole lot about sales and marketing that I never could have learned from a book because I'm a huge believer in excuse me in personal experience being the best way to learn something I'm a big believer In know what you're doing to an extent, but you can fast track. You can fast track any issue or any, any amount of growth you can fast track by getting in the trenches and doing it yourself. You can be playing with professional athletes and LeBron James can tell you the correct way to dribble a ball and to shoot a ball But if you don't have a ball in your hands and don't have the feel for it, you're not going to be able to perform regardless of how much knowledge you have. And the longer and longer you wait, the harder and harder it is to get in and get started and get the momentum required. So I know that I had spent a ton of time in just researching and being so afraid of what if this doesn't work? What if this doesn't work? And I teach this to to people who work for me too. We we recently did a campaign where our um, we we did a campaign a win back campaign for customers that were no longer with us, and it was if you sign back up, we will give you a tablet. So it was really really good idea, really good in our heads, and we we were bottlenecked for about five or six weeks. Of not going through with it and I go to the guy who's in charge of it and I'm like what's the hold up and he's like well we've got four different types of tablets here's the pros and cons on all four of them and I don't want to make the wrong choice I was like choose one he's like well I mean it's between these four I was like choose one and he's like well I just I was like Adam I'm picking this top one that's what we're doing we're using this one let's move forward And it turned out that was the wrong one. And it took us two days to learn that. Instead of five weeks of weighing the pros and cons, it was make a decision, move forward with it, learn as you go. Don't be afraid of being wrong because even at times when you do all the research and think you're going to be right, you can still end up being wrong anyway. So I'm not saying do zero homework, but at the same time, You learn things so much better by actually doing them and not by just the idea of them. Get the muscle memory, understand how things work from hands-on experience because knowledge that's not applied is the same as not having the knowledge to begin with. And a lot of people will spin their wheels on, I need to make sure that this is perfect, I need to do this, I need to do that. And I believe it's Mark Cuban, but I'm not positive who the who to attribute it to. But they say if if you're not embarrassed by your first release, then you waited too long to put it out. And I believe in that a thousand percent. If I look at my company five years ago versus what it looks like now, I'd be I'd be laughing hysterically, but at the same time I had a company that was doing something, which I feel is a lot better than the other guy sitting on the sidelines putting together what he thinks will be perfect, which ultimately changes in a couple months anyway. So, really getting in there and experiencing it and not being afraid of looking silly or making a mistake, just doing it is the Biggest, biggest, biggest thing. And I, I do that with a lot of my coaching clients. They say, well, I want to do this. And well, I don't know. Just, just do it. Just do it. Because there are people that are way worse than you are at what you're doing that are making a lot more money than you are. And if you're not making any money with your skills, then it's just a waste.
0: Fantastic, Andrew. Thank you. And I can definitely attest to the fact that, you know, you just got to go out there and do it. I can't, you know, list, I couldn't possibly list all the the mistakes that I've made over the past year. I've only, I'm still a relatively new entrepreneur. I've probably been in the the space for about the last year and I've made too many mistakes to to count because I just, you know, go out there and do it like this podcast, for instance, like my, my first couple of episodes or my first few videos on YouTube, for instance, like I, I kind of cringe with how bad they were or I would like, for instance, if it was like, this is how I would give the the introduction. Welcome everyone to the Da Vinci Mindset podcast. Like that's kind of how it was. But you know, you learn over time and you get better. So I definitely love what you're saying. And I agree with that. I resonate with you. So anyway, let's move on to the next question, Andrew. Let's say that we have a new entrepreneur. I guess I, I could be considered a new entrepreneur. I'm only like a year in. But anyway, what advice would you give these people, Andrew? Well,
1: I, I do want to touch on the, the fact, even though you're saying, well, I've only been doing it for a year, mm-hmm. you do need to realize that the fact that you have been doing it and there are 50 episodes to show that you have been doing it sets you apart from 99% of the people who say, oh, one of these days, I've got this great idea for this app. You know, there's so many different people that are saying, ah, Uber, I had that idea 20 years ago. Yeah, and what'd you do with it? You did nothing. That's true. That's That's why the guys at Uber are billionaires or whatever, 100 millionaires, because they did something with it. And if you're not taking the action, so I wouldn't say that, you know, when you look at, when you look at, well, I've only been doing this for a year because most people have just been talking about it or thinking about it for way, way longer. Like I was actually, I was watching Shark Tank last night and this guy, he'd had his company for 10 years and He had a prototype on like a surfboard of some sort. And it was like, you've been doing it for 10 years and you have nothing to show for it. Then you haven't done anything. You have nothing to show for it. You have a hobby. There's nothing wrong with a hobby, but you need to be doing it, moving forward, setting a plan in action with steps that you need to take in order to reach your ultimate goal. And what I mean by that, we've been making a big push for content marketing with RushTech support in the last probably three or four months. And we could sit there and say, we need to do a lot of content marketing. And that is just an amorphous anything. I need to do content marketing. But if you sit down and say, content marketing, I need to do One blog every week that will get written on Tuesday, edited on Wednesday, and published on Monday, when you have small action steps, that's going to completely change the mindset of, I need to put out 52 blogs to, on Monday, I'm going to publish. On Tuesday, I'm going to write the next one. Wednesday, I'm going to look and make sure that everything was done correctly with a fresh set of eyes. So when you break it down into small actionable steps, you will end up achieving what you wanted to achieve in the first place, but it's not as overwhelming, but you need to plot the course.
0: Fantastic, Andrew. I definitely agree. I think something that I'm going to I've been trying to do a lot more of for my business. Is you know, planning a more in-depth course just to see where I want to go. But anyway, with that said, Andrew, what would you say is the most important lesson that you've learned throughout your entrepreneurial career so far?
1: The most important lesson that I've learned, and it's kind of twofold. The one thing that I learned is that a lot of people talk a lot about what they are going to do and they may sound very very convincing they may sound like they have a whole lot of things laid out and but until people put the action behind what they are talking about you really don't have a whole lot to gauge them on and for instance I had given a pretty large investment to one of my friends They they had like an insurance company and they were you know, they were giving me all these numbers. Well, we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and this is gonna happen and then this will happen and then this will happen and one week later they were out of business and we're two years later and I haven't seen a penny of that money back. So as I say the experience is a great reminder. Of lessons to be learned, but at the same time, I know that that experience. And who knows? Maybe somebody listening to this, maybe they're in that position where they're talking to somebody about an investment for any amount of money, and they're like kind of on the fence with it. But if if I were looking at that situation now, knowing what I know, and we can just change the people out, but I would say, what have you done in the past month? that would make me believe that this is actually going to happen because you can skew numbers and projections. And especially, I know nothing about the insurance industry. So when they're showing me these numbers, I'm really at their mercy. So you can give me a ton of projections and say something to the effect of, if we close at only a 15% rate, then here's the numbers. What if it's really conservative and we close at only 10%? then look at these numbers. It's a no-brainer. We're going to make so much money. But if you have experience in it and you understand that maybe the closing percentage is 0.1%, if you don't have the, the knowledge and experience or seen any past experience, you're not going to know. And unfortunately, you can get taken advantage of, which I mean, I'll, I'll chalk it up and say, they had the best intentions because I don't want to think that they, their plan was to just steal. But at the same time, that's, that's the black and white of what happened. You know, If somebody takes money out of your pocket and doesn't give it back to you, that's called stealing. This was just called an investment that went sour the next week because I hadn't done my homework. I didn't know anything about the industry. I just took their word for it. And a lot of people can say a lot of things and it's unfortunate, but I, I have learned that and I've done investments since then, but there was a lot more due diligence on my part to make sure that this investment, it actually does make sense. Because on paper, you can project anything to do anything And you can skew numbers to make it fit exactly what you want the numbers to say. But you also, if you look at just past experience, past performance, and that's never a guarantee, past performance doesn't guarantee future results. However, past performance does give you a better indication than just numbers and words that people say. I'd say it was one of the big takeaways that I got from that experience.
0: Fantastic, Andrew. I definitely agree with you. You got to have the actions to back up the words, but I want to ask you kind of a question. It might sound like it's a little bit out of left field and I'm not sure you'll have an answer for it, but I'm curious. How do you, how does your experience with sobriety relate to your experience with entrepreneurship so far? Is there any kind of connection there so far that you've made?
1: Yeah, there's actually huge links between the two, and a lot of them have to do with what I've been hitting on, which is doing the work is what matters. It's just like the guy who has read a million books on exercise and the optimal way to do a pull-up, and if you take this amount of protein, if you are not going to the gym and exercising and eating healthy you will never lose weight. If you are not practicing sobriety, and that can take form in there's countless different ways that people can get sober. 12-step uh, groups are a great example where they lay out, here are the 12 steps that if you perform these actions, you will achieve sobriety and it can be from alcohol it can be from drugs it can be from overeating it can be from sex it can be from gambling it can be from any list of of isms and the big the big thing that happens a lot of times with people in recovery and sobriety is they will come in and try really hard for a month and then things will be fine, and then they will coast. They'll stop doing the actions, and then they'll stop getting the results. And entrepreneurship is the exact same way. Every day, my assistant gives me my to-do list, and I have to answer to her to make sure that I'm moving forward in doing what's on my to-do list. Because ultimately, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to to have a profitable business for the last. Five years, we've been very successful and I'm very blessed, and there's a lot of good people behind it. But it's very easy for me to get complacent because I have a turnkey operation that generates thousands of dollars every single day, whether or not I even get out of bed because we have the systems and operations in place. However, if I am not moving forward, I know that it'll catch up with me. And eventually, it'll all come crashing down. And as much work as it takes to get to where you want to be, sustaining it is also an action that you have to put forth. So sobriety, my first month, it was just white knuckling. I can't drink. I can't drink. I can't drink. And then I got involved in a 12-step group. And they recommend you get a sponsor who's essentially a mentor who shows you this is how I stopped drinking or doing drugs or gambling, whatever it is. And these are the actions that I took. If you perform these actions, you will get the results. And it doesn't happen overnight. And a lot of people hate that it doesn't happen overnight, but... I'm kind of in the boat now where I'm happy that it doesn't happen overnight because if it did, then everybody would do it. And I mean this uh, as far as entrepreneurship. I mean, I wish that everyone who tried to get sober could get it. And I recently lost a friend last week who died from fentanyl, which is just insane. And he was sober. And then he slipped. He stopped doing what he was supposed to be doing. And he overdosed and died. And now my friend Ryan, who he was 27, 28 years old, brilliant kid. And now he's dead. And it came as a result of not doing the actions that he needed to be doing. And it's just like in business. You can get complacent, especially if things are good. But if you're not constantly moving forward, you're never going to be able to keep what you have because the things that you get as a result of recovery and as a result of running a business, they're all a result of the actions. They're not in spite of the actions. So attending meetings, meeting with with potential business clients, potential partnerships all these things that that ultimately lead to success down the road if you stop actively pursuing them you can coast for a while however it will eventually catch up and one of the things that my mentor says is the greatest way to fail is to get successful and what he means by that is that we have this tendency to You know, you reach a certain level where money is no longer the motivator. And then you have to ask yourself, why do I even bother? And I personally fell into that trap last year. My wife and I, we went to Europe four times maybe. We spent months vacationing last year. And my company suffered financially as a result because I wasn't actively moving forward. I wasn't trying to grow the company. I was just resting on my laurels. And just like with sobriety, you can get to a certain point and then you stop and then it stops working. And entrepreneurship has been the same thing for me. Hustle, 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 grow the company. 36,000, then 1.75, then 2.5, then 4.5. And then last year we did about 3 million and it's like you know, if you were telling me after the, the 36,000 year that that would be where we're at, I would be blown away. I'd be like, that's incredible. But if we're not actively growing the company, then it's dying. And that was one of the big takeaways that, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and learn the lesson. We're still profitable. So it's not like it's, not like it's hurting, but at the same time, I have recognized in my life, in entrepreneurship and sobriety, that if I stop doing the work, that I will stop getting the results.
0: Fantastic, Andrew. Thank you for sharing. So what are some of these specific actions that you take every day or every week or every month to make sure that you're moving forward in your business?
1: The big thing that I do every day is I have... I use this app Trello and it basically, I have my running to-do list on it and every day there's different boards. There's there, whenever I get an idea in my head, I throw it on my to-do list and then I have another board that has what I need to do today. And then the other board is what's completed. And every morning my assistant She moves five things from my to-do list onto that board, and I have to answer to her at 8 p.m. every night as to whether or not I did those five things. And those five things, that's not my entire day. It's just the non-negotiable that I need to do in order to move forward. And they can be small things. They can be purchase some microphone for my podcast, right? Mm -hmm. That's something, it's small, it takes a couple minutes However, that needs to get done on the day that it gets moved over there. So for me starting up my podcast, it was a lot of small baby steps, like I had talked about with our content marketing. If you put it into little steps, so the step was purchase a microphone. Okay. And my producer had shown me, he gave me the laundry list of what to buy. And then, you know, I kind of have the self-talk in my head. I'm like, Who am I to do a podcast? Like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And then it's like, no, you don't know what you're doing. However, you are not going to be the guy who sits there talking about the podcast that he's going to make. You are going to do it. And I have the accountability to make sure that these things get done. So even though I don't have a boss who's going to fire me if I don't do my work every day. I'm still being held accountable to some degree because I personally, I don't like to let other people down. That's one of my big motivators along with my family, which is huge. And you've probably heard my dogs that are like crying like this entire time. Cause they want to come in here with me that I it's ironically put in the other room. It's not too bad. Well, no. Yeah. Like I said, it'll be that, it'll be the Easter egg for people listening like you, if you listen really carefully or you know that can be your your reason to listen again, and maybe you'll <laughs> you'll grab a gem that you that you missed exactly. the last time, they probably just know you, you're
0: listening the time to you said something
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should probably just edit that out <laughs> or save it for the very very end, but but I need to have accountability in everything that I do because. I'm fortunate enough to be at the point where if I do absolutely nothing, like I said last year, sales went down and it was what was I doing to move forward? And I'm not saying don't take breaks, don't recharge the batteries. I'm not saying that. Obviously, entrepreneurs get into that space because they want the life that you can just go off the grid for a week. However, if money is your only motivator, which it was for me for the first four years, once you hit that point and your purpose isn't larger, I mean, as sad as it is to say, like I stopped caring. I didn't care about how high the sales were, how effective the customer surveys were. I had stopped focusing on the things that made the company great and money's obviously a scoreboard and luckily the customer surveys they hadn't been upset or anything like that because I have really good systems in place and I have a great great team that works for me like they they have pretty much everything to do with of uh, rush tech support success and Fresh Tech Designs, our web design company, the people who are in that are what make it great. Yes, my name is tied to it at the top. And yes, it was just me in the beginning. But having the systems in place really helped even when things weren't as good as I wanted them to be. We still had the systems in place that helped us get through that time. And this year, happy to say we started off with our first week of sales was better than the last four or five months of the previous year on a weekly basis. Week one of 2019, we just came out of the gates swinging. We're going to have these processes in place. We're going to capitalize on this. We're not going to rest on our laurels. And the funny thing too is in a commission-based job, if you try harder, you make more money. But sometimes people just need the extra motivation of accountability, knowing that when you say you're going to do something, that someone's going to follow up with you and they're going to say, did you do the thing that you said you were going to do? And again, we keep, it wasn't my intention at the start of this, but it's the action that matters. What are you actively doing to make sure that you are growing? If you're listening to audiobooks is a huge thing for me. Podcasts, reading, learning, even watching YouTube videos. It's incredible the amount of information that's out there for you to learn, but if you don't apply it, it doesn't matter what you know. It never does, and that's kind of one of the the things that the school system says, like, oh, learn all this knowledge, but if you can't apply it, it doesn't matter, because the guy who's better at your job than you are, regardless of his degrees, if somebody performs better at something than you, that person is better and will get the job over you, regardless of what certifications you have, regardless of all these different factors that we're told actually matter. The thing that matters is whether or not you actually do it.
0: Fantastic, Andrew. I definitely agree, especially for entrepreneurs. It's all about the results you get. Anyway, so what would the advice Okay, let me rephrase. I'm getting tongue-tied today. I don't know what's going on. But what is your advice for people in sobriety who want to start a business? If
1: you're in sobriety and want to start a business, I'd strongly, strongly suggest having a year sober before you start. It happened to work out that way for me in my timeline. My anniversary date is March 23rd, 2013. And Rush's anniversary is March 26th, 2014. So, but having that strong foundation in recovery is extremely important because when you are first getting sober, your life is so insanely hectic and terrible. And the drugs and alcohol has been your solution to problems in life. It isn't the problem of, why don't you stop drinking? Why don't you stop doing drugs? That's not the problem. That's actually the symptom. The problem is, we don't know how to deal with life, and the solution that we have is drugs and alcohol. So if you are not comfortable with, I have lived my life for the last year and learned how to deal with life, without drinking and doing drugs. If you just have a few months sober and you're like, hey, time to do literally the most stressful thing you can possibly do, especially if you bootstrap it. And especially if you don't have any side hustles, starting a company without a solid foundation, it's just like that analogy of building a house without a strong foundation. It's going to crumble. You may get something that resembles a house up front, but eventually, over time, if you don't have that strong foundation in recovery, you can't get to the spot where you can run a successful company because something will happen that slaps you in the face, that knocks you on the ground, and your knee jerk reaction will be I need to drink, I need to do drugs. So, I don't have to feel this way. And you can justify in your head, it'll only be once, da 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 da, and then you'll be exactly where you started within a few months. And I see it so often. People get sober early on. And ironically, the addict personality makes for a great entrepreneur because you're chasing the highs. And entrepreneurship can definitely generate high highs, absolutely. The first time. We had a thousand dollars looking at our credit card merchant and I was actually shaking. He's like, I actually made one thousand dollars in one day. That's that's how big my paychecks used to be. And I did this in one day. I remember shaking when we made a thousand dollars for the first time. And that was a great, great experience. And one year later, we were running into all this garbage and I lost everything financially, had to take out loans in order to cover payroll one year later and you know the high highs and low lows if i didn't have strong recovery i never could have gotten through those points and still been able to have the things that i have today i would have lost them all without strong recovery
0: let's say that we have someone who has a a year sober and i didn't mean to cut you off if i did i don't know how it sounded on your end well, let's say we have someone who is uh, sober. What advice would you give to this person after that with the, the strong foundation?
1: All right. So you have a strong foundation and you have, my experience is in the service industry. So I'm just going to say in the example of somebody who has a service company and there's a million different things, but that's definitely my niche is people running service-based companies. So we'll just say you're a handyman, right? You can fix anything in the house. You can hang a TV. You can put together a table. You're a handyman and you decide, I'm going to start my own handyman business. I'm tired of working for this guy, doing all this work for him. He makes all the money. If you are going to start your own company, make a business plan. As outdated as it sounds, putting together an actual sheet of whether or not this will work is a huge thing that so many people exist or so many people miss and i was i was speaking to somebody yesterday who i had to turn him down as a client he he has three part-time jobs and he's trying to get his uh what's he do he he makes really 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 good barbecue and He's trying to get that off the ground. And I was just asking him basic questions from, from a, a business plan and you know, just just competition research. Tell me something about your competitors that they do that you're not doing. He's like, I don't know. I don't think I have any competitors, which means you have no idea what you're doing. And so having that foundation, just like everything, you don't have to take a year to put together this solid business plan because things change and it's just numbers on paper, but it forces you to think. And if you're trying to start your own company, you need to think, how much is this actually going to cost me? How much money do I need to make in order for this to work? Because if you get a job working somewhere else, you don't have anything to lose it's just how much money do I make? And if you have a bad day at work and you're on salary, you will get the exact same paycheck regardless of whether or not you had a good day, you had a bad day, your whole life when you've been getting paid by other people, that's what you're used to. So it's tough to make the shift in your mindset that, hey, I own a business. And if I don't hustle or don't have systems in place, I'm just going to lose everything. It's not even I ran out of money. It's i lost all my money because businesses are expensive. And if you don't have the right planning, that was honestly one of the turning points. I, I had been in business for about three or four months in my living room. And my buddy Joe messaged me, he says, hey, man, I need a ride to this lady's house. I'm going to hang a mirror for her. And I was like, okay, sure. He's like, I'll give you 30 bucks. I'm like, all right, whatever. And we go to this lady's house and I've got my computer and I'm fixing someone else's computer and she's just making small talk. We don't know each other. And she's like, oh, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I fix computers online. People, people give me a call and I get connected on the computer so I don't have to be in their house so I I can just do it from here. And she's like, Oh, well, my computer has been acting up. Can you take a look at it? I'm like, yeah, sure. And she's like, honestly, Andrew, like, I don't expect this to really work. I've taken it to geek squad a million times. And the same thing keeps happening. And I was like, okay. And I looked at it and I was like, Oh yeah, they never did this. The problem won't happen again. And she was like, are you kidding me? You did that so quick. She was like, how long have you been in business? And I was uh, a couple months. Da da da. And she's like, well, "What's your break-even point?" And I was like, "Um, that doesn't really apply to me. I'm just, you know, I'm just a guy fixing computers." She's like, "No, you're a business owner." And I was like, "I'm not really a business owner though. Like, I just, I collect money." And she was like, "Well, what's your pricing structure look like?" And I was like, "I don't know. I just say a number." And she's like, "Do you know how much you should be charging?" And so she forced me, she was a consultant for years before we met each other. And so she sat down with me and we got very, very clear on what my numbers were, how much my business cost me to run every single day in understanding fixed costs, variable costs, and all these things that when it was small, my overhead, okay, it was a hundred dollars per month. Let's just say if I did nothing could I survive with losing $100 a month? Yes. And is it difficult on a side hustle to make more than $100 a month? It's not that difficult. So I wasn't really feeling any sort of way about it, but having that foundation from when it was just me to five years later, there's 30 other people and there's a million more items on that sheet of what we need to do each day in order to break even to eat, to hit the profit margins that we want. I have an exact number for all of that and I had no understanding of any of that before I got started and it was just very very fortunate that I ran into Chris who showed me so many things and now I know that when I started the company in my mind I was like I'm good at fixing computers Therefore, I can own a business and the handyman, it's the same thing. Well, I'm really good at at doing the honeydew list, but that doesn't make you an entrepreneur or a business owner. That makes you a very good employee and worker. And so I think really having a strong understanding of what you need to do and having an action plan. What are you going to do? Very, very black and white. Not someday I'm going to start a podcast, but Tuesday at 11, I am having a podcast. I'm paying a producer to come in and set up everything. Who is going to be my guest? I have the accountability. I have money at stake with it. So I don't have any choice but to move forward with what I know I need to do. And I'm far from anywhere anybody would be impressed with as far as podcasting. But episode one versus episode three, night and day difference. And the more that you do it, it's like you were saying with with your first episodes, Mm -hmm. you look at the first ones and you're like, oh man, I had no idea what I was doing. But that's great because you did it and you've got it documented how you used to do it and you've learned From mistakes that you made or tweaks that you could build on that if someone's just sitting there telling you, it's not going to sink in as much. But if you have the actual product and experience and then, hey, tweak this little thing, it makes so much more sense when you have that baseline of understanding of having actually recorded it, having actually had a guest and putting the things in place that need to happen and that's why it's so cool i know you probably think to yourself like well i've only done it for a year but like i said man doing it for a year trumps the millions of people that i've got this great idea that have done nothing with it
0: hey andrew i totally agree and i just wanted to throw in there for the for the podcast i've only been doing it what is it february 9th probably about only the last like four or five months and I've tried some other things over the past year. I started doing YouTube videos a little before that and then, you know, creating websites, content and different other kind of services to provide to people. I've done a lot of that. So it's been, you know, a pretty interesting year so far. But Andrew, I really want to thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I just realized it's been almost over an hour that we've been talking together. So I appreciate you joining me, but you know, let's leave you off with this question. Andrew, if you could only leave the audience with one piece of actionable advice, what would it be?
1: One piece of actionable advice would be that thing that you are putting off doing, put it at the top of your to-do list, then go tell somebody to hold you accountable and make sure that you do it. Don't let your mindset get in your own way.
0: Fantastic, Andrew. Thank you so much for sharing your insightful knowledge and all your experiences. I've learned a ton today and I've gotten some, I think gold nuggets that I'm going to take with me. So once again, thank you for joining me on the show today. I appreciate it.
1: Awesome. And just a, a self-plug, if, if that's acceptable, we're going to be launching the Self-Made and Sober podcast within the next week, I believe, once the last episode finishes getting produced. So you can check that out. And if anyone's looking for small business coaching, if you go to Lassise Coaching, that's L-A-S-S-I-S-E. Coaching.com, you can sign up for a free 30 minute consultation. And thank you so much for having me on the show. It was a lot of fun.
0: Thank you, Andrew. I definitely had a lot of fun as well. And to the listeners out there, I hope that you guys also enjoyed this episode of the Da Vinci Mindset Podcast. And before we leave with the episode, I want to leave off with one kind of important update. I just created the new Facebook group called the Entrepreneurs Creative Advantage. So if you're an entrepreneur or a high-performance individual who wants to achieve great things, and you want to learn about how to be more innovative and creative and how to use your, your brain a little better for entrepreneurship, and of course, we'll talk about a whole bunch of different other exciting topics and we'll provide you some resources, then you can feel free to join the Facebook group. Just search the Entrepreneur's Creative Advantage. And I'll also make sure to put a link in the description for this podcast episode as well, as well as the links to Andrew's new podcast and his coaching services as well. So before we leave, Andrew, is there anything else that you'd like to leave?
1: No, I would just say, hopefully we drilled it into people's heads. I know you got to hear it seven times before it clicks, but that thing that you're afraid of doing, just do it because once you do it, it's done with and you'll feel so much better than saying what you do versus what I'm going to do.
0: Fantastic, Andrew. Thank you so much. So in conclusion, everyone, just go out there and do it and get closer to your dreams. And with that said, that's going to wrap up this episode of the show. And until next time, we'll catch you on the next episode of the DaVinci Mindset Podcast.